right. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing today? Hope it's going well. I'm not exactly sure why I'm getting laughter here, but... <laughs> you know, this was the plan. It was, this was supposed to happen. This was the plan from when I was a youngin. Some of the people in the room I went to high school with, they know this was the plan. Mrs. Morell, she knows this is the plan. She, she knew me back in the day. But uh, God had other plans. <laughs> and so our family was talking, though, how funny would it be if I had come out with, like, actual hair? Like, like if this had somehow worked, that would be the true miracle. <laughs> I want you to think about the first miracle you ever saw or the first miracle you ever experienced. Some of you guys maybe would say, well, I haven't even seen one yet. I'm not, you know, in the point of my life where I've seen God do something that I know absolutely was a miracle. For me, I was about 21 years old. I was interning as a youth pastor at, at Island Christian Church, and we were just having like a hangout night one night at somebody's house for a youth group, and this girl came in, and she was extremely upset. She was crying as she walked in, and she said, I just found out this week that my mom is really ill, and they're saying that if she has surgery, she's got a 70% chance of making it, but, no, I'm sorry, that's, that's, I said it backwards, a 30% chance of making it, but with no surgery, she's definitely going to die. And so we began to just pray. We were, I never forget, we were sitting out on the back of like a pickup truck and had all these kids around. I'm like, let's pray for Nikki's mom. And we just began to pray. And I'll tell you, at that point in my life, I was kind of wrestling with my faith because I'd read the Bible and see Jesus do all these incredible miracles and heal all these people. But then we'd all have our daily experience where it didn't feel like that happened all the time. And so I was wrestling internally. And I was kind of too afraid to tell anybody, but that's kind of where I was. And so we prayed for Nikki's mom, and we just asked God to do something great. And it was later, I think, that week or that weekend that we found out that she went back to the doctor, and all the things they said wrong with her were no longer an issue. She didn't even need surgery, and she was totally fine. And for me, that was huge. That was like this first like wow moment, like God does these kinds of things. And so I don't know about you, but for me... The, the, the seeing of that first miracle just really helped sturdy my faith because I was wrestling, if I'm honest. I don't know where you're at today, but I would guess that many of us in the room watching online in the overflow this morning, we have some situations in our lives where we need a miracle. We just need God to come through. And maybe there are some situations that feel like they're dead. Maybe there are some situations that kind of feel like they're dying. feels like there's no hope of them ever kind of being resurrected again. This can be true in all different areas of our life. Maybe for some of us, it's our relationship with God. We just feel like things have been off. We feel a little far from him. Maybe we're you know, out of the routine of just being connected to him or being connected to his people over this last year, and we just feel off. And it's kind of like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to where I was in God. Maybe for some of us, it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's our heart feeling torn apart after a, a divorce or a breakup. Maybe it's a sin struggle. It's an addiction, uh, something financial, a provision, a direction in our life. A lot of young people in the church here trying to figure out what's next for them. And it just feels like we're not going to get anywhere or God has kind of hit the pause button on our life, and that can be so discouraging. And so today, I just want to ask a few questions. Can God bring dead things to life? Can God bring dying things to life? Does he still do miracles, or is that just like a, a thousand, two thousand year ago type thing? And I also kind of want to balance it out and say, do we just get to ask for whatever we want and expect God's going to deliver? Is he like a divine wish granter? Or is it a little bit more than that? And so today I want us to kind of walk through some of this stuff. But I'll tell you what, there I was in the hospital a few months ago, and the, the phrase that they kept using was rapidly declining. He's rapidly 
declining. And there were plenty of people that had no hope for me. And I don't blame them because all nurses and doctors knew at this point was losing people, thinking about how many they've lost. Like, why would I be any different? Here's this guy dying. Why would he be any different? In fact, they were making sure that there were all kinds of monitors on me. I had wires everywhere. On uh, life support, I had these monitors uh, on my head here that were basically just seeing that I still have brain function, which was kind of pointless because I didn't even have it before I got sick. But but, uh, there I was, like scary stuff being monitored, like, you know, things being said to my family, um, things being said to you guys that probably had a lot of us going, God, where are you and what's happening in the midst of all this? So does God bring dying people back to life? Does he still do miracles? This is so important to talk about because I think too many times we let something God wants to resurrect remain in the grave. We let something God wants to do something with in our life kind of just continue to deteriorate and fall apart. Maybe for some of us, we allow that to happen because we have asked God for the miracle and it felt like it didn't happen. And so we've gotten frustrated. We've gotten angry. Our heart's gotten a little bit hard. And maybe we still believe in him. We will still come and volunteer at the church. We'll be in a community group. We'll still read our Bible. We'll still even pray. But we're not going to pray for anything big because we prayed for something big and it felt like God couldn't be trusted with it. What do we do with some of that? Today, I hope and pray that the scriptures we're going to look at, kind of this really exciting, incredible story we're going to read together and kind of move through, and also my story will encourage you and I to begin to pray for big things again. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you might agree with what I said a few minutes ago that, you know, I just don't know that God does this kind of stuff, if he's even there. Maybe you're working through that. Maybe you are wrestling like I did. Is Jesus Really there? Can he be trusted? Uh, You know, this idea of being saved. Can I lean on that? I talk with people all the time who aren't confident that Jesus alone can save us. So still trying to help myself, still trying to earn my own salvation, still trying to work it out for me, right? Is Jesus enough? Can he be trusted? Does he still do miracles? Maybe some of you guys watching online here in the overflow, maybe you today are saying, you know what? I'm actually really excited about the idea that maybe there's a God who loves me. I'm actually really excited. I'm not convinced yet, but I'm excited about the possibility that this could all be true. And so we're going to work through that today. We're going to look at a guy named Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God, and God would show him incredible visions and give him all these kinds of incredible experience. And I'm going to explain as we kind of walk our way through the scriptures here today what's going on and what's happening as Ezekiel is walking through this. But As we go through the verses today, some of you might recognize a song that we've been singing throughout this series that came from this story. You know, sometimes you sing a song and you're like not quite sure what you're singing. I don't know if any of you guys have this feature, but on our Apple TV once in a while, if the kids just throw a song on, um, the lyrics will come up on the the screen. It's kind of cool. And my wife hears every lyric and knows and remembers every lyric of every song she's ever heard. I, like, don't hear the same things that the artists were saying. And the other day, the kids, like, had shuffle on, and one of the Beatles songs came on. And it was a song that I've, like, sung along to my, like, years and years and years. And as the words are coming on the screen, I'm going, that's not what I've been singing, and that's really messed up. Like, I don't know what that even is. That's strange, right? And so as you and I have maybe been singing this song over the past few weeks, It's like, what does this mean? It's a little strange. Well, today you're going to see the story that this song was written from. And so in Ezekiel 37, verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was on me. It's Ezekiel 
saying, okay, God's hand was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. So he's having this vision, and it says it was full of bones. Now I need you to close your eyes for a minute. Everybody close your eyes. You're sitting at home. Close your eyes. And I need you to picture a valley full of bones, just bone on top of bone, just stacked. There's a kind of graphic scene of just destruction and a valley full of bones. Okay, open up your eyes. What do these bones represent? A couple things. First off, they represent the Israelites. This nation had been through a whole lot. In 606 B.C., many of them were taken captive to Babylon. Then 10 years later, it happened again. Then in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and took the survivors to be his slaves. Now, I just want you to imagine what these people have been through, okay? I want you to imagine that people have come to America and taken a bunch of us and our families to their land and then destroyed our land, and you've lived there for decades now. Like, your kids have grown up. They were, you know, five when you got taken. They're 35 now. Like, imagine having hope for your nation, that some, somehow you'd be able to go back, or somehow this nation would be rebuilt, right? Basically, what happened was it felt like this nation had been reduced to a pile of bones. And so Ezekiel's standing there seeing hopelessness. You know what else it represents? It represents every single one of us. When you and I come into this world, we come in spiritually dead, spiritually a pile of bones, and we need some help, right? We need someone to rescue us. Again, we can't save ourselves. What can a pile of bones do to save itself? We need something so much bigger to rescue you and me. And now those are the two things that this vision really stands for. But I just want you to think today about the, the dry bone situations in your life, the, the bones that have piled up and maybe are, are deteriorating in your life, all those struggles you look at like Ezekiel's looking at this vision saying, what hope is here? You're showing me death. You're showing me destruction. For some of us, there are all these areas of our life that are just torn apart right now. And we're thinking, what hope do I have? I feel cut off from God. And I feel like this is just going to keep on spiraling. What hope do I have? And so here's where Ezekiel is. Here he is with his nation. And here he is knowing that this is an impossible situation apart from God. This was my situation just a few months ago. In the hospital, I got so bad so quickly, doctors were looking at me. Like inside a week of me being there saying, um... We have done all we know to do. We've given you this, that, and the other. For some reason, you're not responding like other people are responding to the medications we're giving you. And at this point, we are going to stop all medications and give you fluids and oxygen and just kind of hope that your body can get better, which they knew that was not going to happen. Had, you know, my wife being told that the doctors had done all that they could do and to come and say goodbye, to prepare for the worst, pile of bones, right? A desperate situation. Verse 2 says, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. What does that mean that they're dry? They've been out there for a while, right? These are not like, this isn't a fresh body out there. This isn't a pile of fresh bodies. No, these bones have been deteriorating for a while. These bones have been cooking for a while, right? You ever heard this expression, bone dry? I don't know if this story is where they got it, but you get what I'm saying. This has been an issue for this nation for a long time. This has been an issue for you and I spiritually for a long time. And so there's this dry bones mentality. Everybody say, them some dry bones. Good job, man. You guys nailed it. The 7 p.m. last week. I need somebody to come back to the 7 tonight, all right? Bring some life to the 7, all right? Last week, they're just looking at me drooling when I told them to say something. So we love you, 7 p.m. We love you. Nation of Israel felt like a pile of dry 
bones, our dead hearts apart from God, but many situations in our life are a pile of dry bones. Feels like my future, it's a pile of dry bones. Feels like this struggle with purity. Feels like this relationship. Feels like our finances. Feels like our nation. Feels like our future. Like, like what do we do with all this? Just feels so hopeless. So when I was in the hospital and I was deteriorating and they put me on the vent and very quickly I was getting worse and worse and they put me on what's called ECMO life support and this was a last ditch effort, right? This is, this is what they put me on when no one with COVID pneumonia had come off it. No one had lived through it. And this was basically just a shot to try to do something to help me. And it was so serious that when many of the medical people in our church and family heard what I'd been placed on, they, they wept. Like literally, there were people calling each other, this is really bad. This is probably the end for Doug. Like there was a, a family friend that told us that she went home the night from the hospital saying, Pastor Doug's going to die tonight. Like that was the prognosis once I was put on life support. Desperate, dry bones situation. Verse 3, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. That is so huge right there. I love that that's Ezekiel's answer. I mean, of course, Ezekiel knows God could do anything. Of course, the dry bones could live, but will they live? Well, that's a different question, right? Because what you and I so often need to do when we come with our dry bone situations is bring those situations to the Lord and say, God, what are you looking to do here? You could do anything. We know that. But God, what are you looking to do in this dry bone situation, in this impossible situation? See, we, need to get, we need to get God's heart on the situation. You know, We need to say, Lord, what are you trying to accomplish here? Because sometimes, listen, sometimes it's dry for a reason, right? Sometimes those dry bones have piled up because God's got a different purpose for us. And he's got something else he wants to accomplish in our lives. So I fell in love for the first time when I was in seventh grade. And it was expensive to be in love and time-consuming to be in love and painful, actually, to be in love because my first love was a drum set. And it cost a lot of money and it took a lot of time. And man, I had calluses all over my hands because I played three, four hours a day. And there were times where I'd hit my knuckle. All the drummers in the room know about this. You hit your knuckle on the rim of the snare and it is like nothing else. And so this love, this passion for the drums set in me, this desire to, to be in a band and do this full time. Like this was the dream with the hair like on the floor there. <laughs> this was the dream, right? And so I was going to be in bands and, and we were going to get signed. That was the deal. It's not like today. You can just upload your song on iTunes or YouTube and the whole world gets to hear it. You can sell, send all your friends that way because you recorded it in your bedroom. No, you had to like get somebody behind you with some money and with some connections and so I was going to get signed with my band, and we were going to be on a label, and we were going to tour, and it was going to be great. God was going to use it, and we were going to tell the world about Jesus, and it was going to be awesome. So I'll show you some pictures from some of my bands I was in. This is the first band I was in. This is called Good and Plenty, and that is literally a garage band right there. Like, it doesn't get any more real. All you youngins who use garage band to make music, it started in an actual garage with an actual band, okay? So there we are. Okay, here's my next band. This was a band called Mustard Seed, and we were playing a show at Bald Hill some of you guys, I think, in the room were actually there, which is so cool. And so we played that. Then, let's see, what's the next one? Oh, this, this was bad. I know a few of you saw this. It's really embarrassing. Um, this was Vanilla Rama, and I tried to sing. 
and it didn't go well. Some of you guys can attest to that. Jess Bonomo was there that night. She knows Maria Shiano. They're all there. So, oh, what's the next one? Let's see. This is college now. This is a band called Jameson Steinway. And uh, we, these musicians were epic. These guys were so good. It was so fun to play with them. And then the last band I think I have a picture of here is Fuse. And Fuse, we are pictured with a band called Black Ball. And they were signed. And we wanted to get signed. So we thought this might be our ticket. And maybe if we opened for them, then somebody would see us and we get signed. We never got signed. We never got close to getting signed. So about 22 years old, 22 years old in there somewhere, I just start to pray. Like, God, <laughs> this has been the dream for a long time. And it kind of feels like a bunch of dry bones because we're not getting anywhere. So God, what's your heart in this? And as I saw God, like I really felt like he just put on my heart, like, Doug, I got something else for you. Like this is dry bones for a reason. Allow me to breathe into what I'm really going to make you passionate about, which of course was synchronized swimming. So I, no, I'm kidding. It was <laughs> ministry. It was ministry, right? God began to just put in this burden. And, uh, there's a bunch of kids that don't know Jesus. What if you did this, that, and the other on Long Island? And, and God began to birth this vision for ministry. So sometimes they are dry bones for a reason because God's got a different purpose. But sometimes God wants to breathe life into those dry bones. And what I want you to begin to more and more do is bring those situations to the Lord. Say, God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? How are you trying to lead me? What do you have for me? What do you want to accomplish in my life? And then we get to the fun part here in verse four. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. Hey, week one, we talked about God breathing, right? Breathing into our lives. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. So Ezekiel gets his answer. And the answer was this. Oh, I'm going to bring these things to life, but I want you to be a part of it. I want you to speak and prophesy life to these bones, right? Now, this is incredible. I love this because, okay, it's talking about the nation of Israel. Again, 536 B.C., uh, the nation starts to be rebuilt, ultimate fulfillment in the last days, right? But then we have this picture of God breathing into our dead, bone, dry situations spiritually and bringing us to life. But I also believe a story like this is supposed to give us faith to see that if God could bring a nation back together after it's been dismantled for decades, and God could somehow save you and I from our sin and breathe his Holy Spirit into our life, that there are many dry bone situations in our lives he also wants to breathe life into. Amen? Isn't it interesting? That when Ezekiel catches the vision, yes, these dry bones are going to come to life. What does God ask him to do? He asks him to take a step of faith, right? He says, okay, now that you know my heart, I want you to prophesy to these things to live. I want you to speak life over these situations. Many of you took steps of faith with my situation. You guys were organizing prayer parades around the hospital. You guys were coming to my house and praying on my driveway. Jimmy was driving to the hospital every day and sitting there for hours and crying out. I had people calling me and saying, I, I started praying at 10 this morning and I stopped at three. People saying, I got up all throughout the night to pray for you. Because I think we all just felt like God had maybe said, you know, in this dry bone situation with Doug, I'm gonna bring these dry bones to life. And you guys stepped out in faith. You guys did what Ezekiel did. and began to prophesy life. 
and speak life. Before I went on the vent, when you guys were circling the hospital, I was inside having a cry slash prayer fest. I remember laying in my hospital bed, lifting my arms up to God. And I was weak at that point, but I just kept them up. And I was weeping, just saying, God, heal me. Give me new lungs. Touch my body. Rescue me. Deliver me. And my nurse was standing, watching through the window. At least I think so. I could have been hallucinating again, but <laughs> pretty sure he was there. And I could just out of the corner of my eye just see him and didn't stop me from crying out to the Lord. And he was very interested in what was going on. I don't know if he was curious about what, what, the words coming out of my mouth and what I was doing or if my O2 levels were plummeting. I don't know what was going on, but he was watching. And after I came off life support in the vent, I saw him again. And I know he heard my prayers and he saw God's answer. But there was a step of faith there, right? And my wife was told to come in and say goodbye to me on December 23rd. And she came in not to say goodbye, but to lay hands on me and to pray life, to speak life over me. And I didn't even know how bad I was at that point. I didn't realize I was a day away from the vent. I didn't realize how bad my lungs were deteriorating. But she came because, again, she felt like God was saying, these dry bones will live. I remember, as I told you in the past, I spoke Psalm 118, 17 over my situation all throughout, before the vent, on the vent, life support, after, even still, I will say this verse. I think I said it yesterday. Just this idea, I will not die but live and proclaim what God has done. Speaking it out, speaking the life, right? And I really believe God wants some of you guys to speak life over those dry bone situations you're walking through right now. That when God speaks that word to you, oh no, these dry bones will live. It is now time to begin to fight for that, fast for that, pray for that, intercede for that, and just cry out to the Lord, do something great. Oh God, this marriage will come back to life. Oh God, my child will return to you. Lord, the provision will be there. God, my body will be healed. Lord, according to your heart, according to your will. And I love now, God tells Ezekiel, these bones will live. He calls him to take the step of faith. And this starts to happen. Verse six, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. Here's that word breath again. And you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I want you to remember that phrase. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So again, this is all about Israel not staying in exile forever. This is also about our spiritually dead souls coming to life. In fact, throughout scripture, the word breath and this idea of breathing is often a symbol of God breathing the Holy Spirit into a life. Do you think that God can maybe pull something off in your situation? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes again. I want you to imagine the next part as I read it, okay? Close your eyes. Imagine with me. If you're at home, do the same. Verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, ready? Picture this. There was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. All right, look back at me. Can you imagine what that must have looked like and sounded like? I mean, a mountain of bones just coming together. I have to believe that rattling was the loudest thing Ezekiel had ever heard in his life. Years ago, a bunch of friends and I, we drove out to Illinois for a Christian music festival, 
And it was out in the middle of a cornfield, pretty much. And as we got out there, man, it was like a trillion degrees. You'd, you'd take a shower and come out, and you'd be sweating nasty again right away. It was like dirty dust just everywhere and mud out in the fields because it had rain where all these concerts were held. And so I remember my one friend, Justin, who was like the palest kid I knew, he was getting this great tan. We're like, Justin's getting a tan. This is like a miracle out here at the Christian festival. And then he took a shower, and it was gone. It was dirt. Dude, he hadn't showered since we'd been there. I think he slept in his own tent the rest of the time. But like 20,000 people showed up for this festival, and then there's 100 bands that would play. And you just went from one show to the next show to the next show. There were times some of my favorite bands were playing at like 4 in the morning. And so you just kept on going. And when I got back... I had serious issues with my hearing, so much so that I went to the doctor. The doctor said, you actually have temporary hearing loss. He said, I've seen this before in people that have been near an explosion. <laughs> loudest thing I ever heard. What's the loudest thing you ever heard? I have to believe Ezekiel, this noise that he heard, this sight of all these bones coming together must have been Overwhelming. Just a sign that God was doing something, right? This rattling. God's rattling around a little bit. I just wonder what situations in our lives God's starting to rattle around a little bit in, right? Starting to bring some life to. For me, the miracle really started when this ECMO that hadn't worked for anybody started to work for me. And I actually have a video I want to show you guys, and you don't have to watch it if you don't want to. It's a little hard to watch. It's not like blood and guts because you guys know I can't handle that anyway. I'd pass out too. It's a little hard to see. So again, you don't have to watch it. But if you want to watch it, the reason I'm showing it is because I should not be responding to my friend Keith who's talking to me and encouraging me in the Lord. And I just want you to see the beginning of the rattle here. So you guys can check this out real quick. We're going to get you home, buddy, right? We're going to get you home, brother. We are going to get you home. Taste that next to me. I love you, pal. I love you. Your family loves you. Your church loves you. God loves you. You just dressed up, my friend. So that's not supposed to happen. I'm not supposed to be responding there. I was on the highest legal dose of sedative. Bones are coming together. God was moving. It goes on in verse 8. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. So the dry bones come together, but now we've got some skin and some tendons covering them. And can I remind you that when Ezekiel first saw the vision, it wasn't a valley of bones, skin, and tendons. It was just a valley of bones. But now God's bringing some life, right? And here Ezekiel is beginning to understand that God's on the move in a powerful way. And I believe he's going to do this in many of our situations. I just wonder when the dry bones of the, the healing, of the provision, of the depression, of the anxiety, of all the things that we sometimes wrestle with here in this world, God starts to make an impact. And for me, the sign that God was bringing some tendons and some flesh to my situation was after ECMO, still on the vent and incredibly alert, like alert in ways that these nurses had never seen before. And I have a video for you. This one's not nearly as hard to watch. Um, this is me listening to Kelly uh, preaching because my nurse and Kelly began to text and so she said what can I do just to like help them you know kind of feel near you and so Kelly suggested listening to one of the messages and I remember this like I remember this moment in the hospital which I shouldn't 
But here is me listening to Kelly and then waving back at the camera. That should not have happened. And um, I should also not have been able to write these notes to my family through FaceTime. I got, uh, let's see, this first one. I got, I love you all. Really want to make sure they all knew that. I got the little uh, line there. Um, writing questions to my nurse. Do I still have a vent? Um, I wrote, and my handwriting's always been this bad. This has nothing to do with life support or anything. So, um, and you're like, you write like a child. Oh, yeah, I know. trust me. This is actually kind of neat. I was really focusing. Anxious when moved. I was anxious when they would move me from this place or that place uh, for this test or that test. And, and then again, I asked my nurse, will I be asleep when I'm moved? Because I didn't want to, I felt, I remember feeling very fearful that I wouldn't breathe properly when I was moved. And the funny thing is, I shouldn't have been awake. Like they're not used to people awake writing them these messages. They're not used to moving people who are not sleeping. And so if I was going to be anxious or not, really wasn't the point. I'm awake. God is moving. Goes on verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered, then they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Here's this miracle God is going to do. He's going to bring the nation back together. And again, some of this hasn't even happened yet fully. But he's going to also breathe into your soul, my soul, and bring us to life because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and defeating death for you and me. But he's also so able to breathe into our situations. And for me, the great miracle being accomplished was when I came off the vent, like that just kind of felt to me like, okay, I'm going to go home. And I still had a whole lot of stuff that was going to hit me that I had no idea about. But coming off that vent was a huge deal. I'll never forget the first time that I spoke. I kind of sounded like Darth Vader, which was kind of cool. Um, my voice was really deep. And I didn't know at the time if I had my own like, voice box or if I had a trach. I, I just didn't know medically what was going on. And so I, I remember being kind of afraid to talk. I waited for everybody to leave the room. And... Um, I remember just speaking out, and it kind of sounded like deep and almost like a little digitalized, you know? Imagine James Earl Jones preaching you every week. Some of you get used to that, right? But there I was, and I remember asking April, one of the nurse practitioners, like, am I ever going to sound like me again? Because I didn't sound like me. She said, yeah, you're going to sound like you. And so I remember calling Kelly and the kids and talking to them for the first time. And, you know, we just wept, kind of like Vader after Padme passed. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> tears of joy, tears of joy. And we were so thankful to God for what he'd done. And it just, to me, again, it was just this, this moment of, like, wow, God just did the impossible. And I understand, again, guys, I'm remembering the environment that I'm sharing this in, that some of us have prayed the big prayer and it hasn't gone our way. Some of us have lost people even in this last season. And I want to just remind you, I'm not trying to gloat in the middle of what you've walked through. There's been plenty of times I've prayed and it hasn't gone the way I thought it was going to go. But in this moment, I feel like my job is to just raise our expectation again. It's to just get you and I excited about a God who does the impossible. And so we have to balance that tension kind of here in the midst of a season where some of us are still mourning. How do we 
approach God again. We approach him with expectation. But I, he disappointed me last time, but we approach him with expectation. We don't give up. There was a purpose for what happened. I don't know what it was. And sometimes even to say that word purpose feels cheap. But I can guarantee you that though you may not know the purpose, that there is a purpose and that we got to approach Jesus with a fresh faith. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. And I get emotional reading that because I know some of you guys believe that is true of you right now. You have no hope that this situation feels like you are cut off from God or your prayers are somehow cut off from God. And I just want to remind you again today that you are not cut off from him, that he is still with you. And I don't understand all the dynamics of what you're walking in, but he is still with you. Goes on in verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. See, I love this. Remember I said earlier, remember that phrase, then you will know that I am the Lord. He said it again. And he's going to say it again in a few minutes. Then you will know that I am the Lord. What a powerful thought. See, you know all those dry bone situations you're looking at right now? On the other side of it, you will know he is the Lord. You see, on the other side of the valley of dry bones is a clear view of God. I want you to say that with me. I'm going to break it up for you. Say this with me. On the other side of the valley of dry bones, there's a clear view of God. And what's interesting is so often in our lives, God lets those bones get pretty dry, doesn't he? So that no one else can take the credit for saving us. You see, if I had been healed on December 13th, which God could have done, it wouldn't have been all that great view of God. Oh, great, you hear? Doug went in on the 12th, he's out the 13th. I kind of would have just been like, oh, great, they helped him out at the hospital. Isn't that incredible? But no, my, my situation got so dry and so hopeless that on this other side, there was this clear view of God. Maybe you're asking why you're going through what you're going through. Maybe you're wondering why it's gone on for so long. But I just know that there's a clear view coming, that you'll see the Lord like never before, like you wouldn't have had maybe the situation already been fixed. Verse 14, I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. And God has done this to some degree. 539 BC, the Babylonian Empire defeated the Persians and the Medes and some of the people were able to go back. It happened two more times over the next 92 years and many believe God's got a lot still to do in Israel. But God has done this for our dead hearts, has he not? And God will do this for our dead bodies when we see him face to face But what I hope you're seeing today when it all is said and done is that our God still brings dry bones to life. He still does it. Yeah, he did it a long time ago. He did it in biblical times. He did it in the times of Jesus. He did it in the times of the apostles. But he is still the God of the impossible. I can't tell you how many doctors told me I shouldn't be here. How many nurses said I can't believe You got off life support. You know, some of you guys heard that people started calling me the miracle man. I just want to make very clear. That does not mean I'm a man who does miracles, but a man who a miracle was done for. And the the way that came about was I was moved to a different floor, and 
you know, I was a little nervous, and the new nurse was going to come in. I know what to expect. I was kind of comfortable on the floor I'd been on. I knew the doctors and nurses and the care I was getting there. And, and so this nurse walks in, and she had this incredible Jamaican accent, which I'm not going to try to do. <laughs> and she said, first words out of her mouth. She introduced herself saying that. She said, I call you the miracle man because only God can do that. When a nurse is saying that, you know God has moved. The, the doctor that put me on life support, when uh, everybody else had pretty much given up, it's named Dr. McClarty, and she's this brilliant surgeon, people flying from all over the world to see her. And she called Kelly on uh, Christmas Eve and said, he's doing badly, but I have a plan. And uh, she's a believer. She loves the Lord. And uh, she saw what no one else saw. And so she put me on ECMO, and by God's grace, it it worked. And um, when she was interviewed by the news the day I was released, they were kind of like a little bit, you know, a little not so happy about the word miracle. And so they said to her, you know, people are throwing around this word, word miracle. What do you think? And she said, I like the word miracle. God did the impossible. So what do we do? Well, here's what we do. Like Ezekiel, we we say to God, God, can these dry bones live? We start there. We bring to him the situations in our lives and say, God, are you want to do something here? Are you going to breathe life into this? Or do you have another purpose? And when he says, yeah, I'm going to breathe into this. You wait and watch what I'm going to do. Then it is time for you and I to start praying like never before, fasting like never before, speaking life out like never before, and just allowing, like Jacob wrestling with God, that tenacity. I'm not going to let go, Lord, till you bless me, till you do what you've said that you're going to do in this situation. God, as I'm figuring out my future, you've promised, Lord, that you're going to direct my path. See, the cool thing is, we already have many promises in Scripture. And so for some of the situations in our lives, we don't even really have to pray all that long. We just open our Bible and discover what God's already promised to do. But there are some situations that feel a little bit unique. You know, do I go this college or that one, God? Is this the one I'm supposed to marry? Well, hopefully it's not this or that one. Hopefully it's just, is this the one? Yeah, I mean, right? If, if, if it's this or that, the answer is neither, all right? You can pay me later for that counseling. Sometimes the word will speak right to it. Sometimes we got to wait on the Lord. And when he leads us, then we go into expectation and faith like never before. And we stand on those promises and we fight for them. Today, we're, we're going to pray for as many people as we possibly can. We had a line down the aisle after the 930, which was so awesome. And I pray that many of you guys today would be willing to come up to myself, my wife, and the rest of our team and, and just let us pray for you. We want to stand with you. We want to let you know that we're here to pray for those dry bone situations in your life, that there's hope that you're not cut off from the Lord. And so at the end of the service, I was kind of hoping we could do it during the last song, but A, it's probably way too loud in here. B, there's really not enough room. We're just going to ask you to stand. I know some of you, oh, I got to get my kids, go get them, bring them back, or pay somebody, go get them, or just leave them there, and Joey will kill me later. You know, it's really quite simple. We'd love for you guys to stay and pray. We'd love for you, if you're watching online, to write in the comments what your prayer requests are so we can be praying for you. If you're out in overflow, we invite you to come in after the service so we can pray for you. 
Next week, we're going to be closing this series in a, a really special, powerful way. And my, some of my family is going to be joining me on stage and talking about things from their perspective and things from their experience. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm hoping today you're seeing that dead things come back to life when they're in God's hands. And he wants to save and rescue you. And, and like I've been saying throughout the message, it took Jesus dying and coming to rescue us back from our sin. He gave his life for us. Like I said, please don't just go, oh, cool, well, that helps. It's so helpful that Jesus came and, and, you know, helped me and gave me that little nudge. No, he didn't come and give you a little nudge. You, you and I, we had no hope. We were a pile of bones, right? But Jesus came to breathe life. And so if you want to put your trust in him today, even if you're still working through some doubt or questions about your faith, I encourage you to, to just pray with me in just a few minutes as we do that. But if, if you and I will bring the dry bones to the Lord and allow him to speak into those situations and, and we take him seriously, I'm telling you, we're going to see a clear view of God. We're going to see him like never before. So you know that song, Rattle, that we've done several times throughout the series. That's the song that was written off of this passage that we read here today. And this was the song that became my anthem and, and my wife and kids' anthem. And many of you guys were actually listening to it and kind of praying it over my situation which is so incredible. And cool little fact we found out just a few weeks ago is that the church that wrote this song, somehow my story got to them and, and the musicians and the band were praying for me. And so here we were singing this song in anticipation of what God would do and asking him to do the impossible and there they were praying over us. We're gonna close with that song again here today and I just pray that as we do, we will all bring him those impossible situations. In December and January, I had two collapsed lungs, a pneumothorax, pleural effusion, fluid in my chest, scarred lungs, four chest tubes, air in my chest. I was on life support, a vent, and I had pulmonary hypertension. All those things are really serious. But along with them, I had double pneumonia, which could have killed me. Three massive internal bleeds, which could have killed me acute respiratory distress syndrome, which could have killed me. What's called a cytokine storm, which is when your inflammatory markers go nuts and your body begins to attack itself, which could have killed me. I had an antibiotic-resistant MRSA infection in my chest and my bloodstream, which could have killed me. I then had a secondary bacterial pneumonia, which could have killed me. I had something called transaminitis, which is when your liver numbers go through the roof, and it could have killed me. I had multiple blood clots, which could have killed me. And I just want to remind you today that our God still brings dry bones to life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you, God, that you're a big God. You're able to handle the impossible situations that we walk through. And God, we want to come to you now and we just want to be like Ezekiel and say, God, only you know if these bones will live. We want to bring you our situation and say, Lord, what's your heart? God, if your word already speaks to it, and if you're leading us today to stand on a promise to God that you are going to bring these dry bones to life, then God, we just go for it, Lord. I want to encourage you to bring those situations in your life and surrender them to God. And if you know that he is leading you to pray and fight for that thing, you pray and fight for it like never before. If you're not a father of Jesus, you want to put your trust in him, I would love for you to pray with me now. 
You can just pray quietly something like this. Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Savior and my God today. I thank you, God, that I am not cut off from you, that I am loved, treasured, valued, and I put my trust in this gift that you're giving me, this salvation that only comes from you. Oh, God, bring the dry bones of my life spiritually to life. I thank you for what you've done for me. Your name, amen. We're going to close with this song, and then after the song, feel free to come up to the front. We'll have our team kind of stationed over here if you need prayer. And again, please don't let time get in the way. Don't let, you know, having to get your kids or anything else, pride or just feeling funny, like, We'd just love to pray with you. We'd love to come around you and believe God to do some really big things today.